Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. On this morning that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, I want to ask you a simple question. What do you value? What do you value? What means the most to you? Jim Elliott, the missionary to the Indians of Ecuador, once said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me repeat that. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Well, this certainly can be applied to what Paul wrote here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. So follow as I read this passage, but our focus is going to be specifically on verses 9 to 11. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. What you see here is Paul speaking as an accountant and finding real spiritual gain only in Christ. This text that we just read is set in contrast, stark contrast, to what the apostle wrote in the previous verses. Back in verse 4, he said, If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more... And then he went on to talk about his great religious heritage and achievements there in verses 5 and 6. However, God in his grace helped Paul to regard what he once thought had spiritual merit as worthless for the sake of knowing and gaining Christ. You see that so clearly there in verses 7 and 8. In fact, Paul made his point emphatic there at the end of verse 8 where he says this, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Rubbish there is waste, garbage, even human waste. What he was referring to was his religious advantages and anything he considered as meritorious for salvation. It's all rubbish. It's waste. And so as you sit here today, would you concur with the apostle? I trust you do. That you see knowing Christ as your only hope 
of knowing and gaining Christ. Your only hope and greatest passion because of his death and resurrection on your behalf. You know, so often believers take for granted what they have in Christ. We do. Paul didn't. That's very clear here. He didn't, especially as he sat in a prison cell. Because what he had in Christ is what encouraged him there. And to help you follow his example this morning, I want you to consider with me four rich blessings. Four rich blessings in knowing Christ, which the apostle shared there with the church at Philippi. And I pray that you will be challenged to evaluate your own heart and value, value what you possess in Jesus. And what I'm going to share with you is nothing new. You've heard these before. But they're great reminders on this specific day that we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first blessing I want you to capture is there in verse 9 and the first part of verse 10. Look at what he says. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him. And so what do you see there? What's the first blessing in knowing Christ? It's this. Knowing Christ is having His righteousness. Knowing Christ is having His righteousness. As Paul pointed out in this passage, that didn't come by being a Jew or law-keeping. No. Any righteousness that was going to be acceptable must come from God through faith alone in Jesus Christ. He stressed this twice there in verse 9. That's how important it is. And so when a soul becomes convinced of their sin and even their righteousnesses as filthy rags and depend only on Jesus who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and then rose again from the dead, then God imputes His righteousness to that sinner's account. (laughs) That's what's called justification. Being declared righteous, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have to say this. That what Paul is talking about here is a righteous standing before God. Not being made righteous. He's going to pick up that further in verse 10. And we'll look at that in a few minutes. And so in talking about knowing Christ, Paul began with his positional righteousness. Which could never be lost. That kind of goes back to what Jim Elliott said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He gave up his own righteousness to gain Christ's righteousness, that which he could not lose. Beloved, isn't it a blessing to have Christ's righteousness? Huh? 
Amen. Let's shout it out. It is a blessing. It takes away the burden of trying to please God in the flesh. And puts peace in the heart. Even Paul said in Romans 8, In the flesh, in my unrighteous state, I cannot please God. It's impossible. You see, that's what happened to Martin Luther. Remember? When his soul finally understood that having a true righteousness comes by grace through faith alone in Christ. Romans 1, 16 and 17 were his salvation verses. He proclaimed them. He defended them. And beloved, we benefit from the stand that he took there in the Reformation. I love what it says there in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And so may God help you to meditate upon, cherish and proclaim the righteousness in Christ alone. Especially as believers here this morning. Could there be someone that does not know the Lord, that does not have his righteousness? Oh, yes. I believe that's very possible. I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Turn from your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about a mental assent to certain facts that you even heard this morning as we were singing or as we read Scripture. No, I'm talking about a heart commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better way for you who are without Christ to celebrate Easter than by putting your faith and trust in Christ alone who's done everything necessary for your salvation. Knowing Christ is having His righteousness. That's the first blessing that Paul shares with this church at Philippi. But he doesn't stop We come to the next blessing there in verse 10. What does it say? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What seems clear? What seems clear? Knowing Jesus is experiencing his power. It's experiencing his power. You see, all Paul knew before was the law, (laughs) which was unable to deliver him from sin. But now he knew whom? The Lord. He knew the Lord through the gospel, having his righteousness, as we just read from Romans 1 and verse 16. And therefore, he wanted to go deeper by experiencing his resurrection power on a daily basis. Paul is expressing here his passion to know Christ's power. This would be the power to change him from the inside out. To help him have victory over sin and to live godly, pleasing his master. It's not only having his righteousness. It was about living out his righteousness as well. 
That's what he longed for. And this was possible because the resurrected Lord now lived within him through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The apostle spoke to this earlier in Romans chapter 6. If you want to look there, Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says these words, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection power. Also, Galatians 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a blessing. Amen? Yeah. If you know Jesus in salvation, you should want to know him in sanctification. You will want to know Him in sanctification. And so this morning, is that what you value? The very thing the Apostle Paul valued, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection in your daily life. To become more like Him, I pray that it is. And so knowing Jesus is having his righteousness and experiencing his power. That's what he's saying here. But he doesn't stop. He continues on. Look what he goes on to say there in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. What is obvious there? Knowing Christ is fellowshipping in his sufferings. Yes, you heard me right. (laughs) It's fellowshipping in his sufferings. You might be thinking here, is Paul off his rocker? No. He understood that to be in a relationship with Christ included suffering. It did. In fact, look with me just across the page of scripture here at chapter one and verse 29. What did Paul say earlier? For to you, it has been granted. It's almost like he's saying, this is your privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You really want to know Christ? Then know him in suffering. The fellowship of his sufferings. In fact, Jesus even told his disciples the night before he was crucified this very thing. If the world persecutes you, it's because they persecuted me first. You heard these words a few weeks ago when I was talking on them from John chapter 15. Though it was painful, Paul realized that it purified his life. It conformed him to Christ's image and drew him closer to the Lord to find comfort and contentment in him alone. In fact, a part of knowing Christ's resurrection power 
is through pain. It is. We saw this in our scripture reading today. But we also see it here in Philippians as well. Turn the page and look what it says in Philippians 4. Verses 11 to 13. Paul is closing with these kind of thoughts. Philippians 4, beginning with verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and what? Suffering need. What is the secret that he learned? It's verse 13. I can do all things through him who what? Strengthens me. Yes, it's through pain that we experience God's power. The Apostle Paul realized that. And so he wanted us to join in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ in his sufferings. And so, beloved, partnering in Christ's sufferings is a blessing, whether you realize it or not. (laughs) It is. And I'm praying that you and myself will cry out for it like the apostle. And then trust Christ to carry us through it and take us to higher ground spiritually that we've not even realized before. Yeah, it does. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There is no temptation or trial taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is, what? Faithful. Will not allow you to suffer more than you are able, but will with the trial make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It will be Christ who come on your behalf as you fellowship with him and bring you through that trial and grow you in a way that you've never grown before for his glory. Knowing Christ is fellowshipping in his sufferings. And yet Paul is not done yet. What does he go on to say there in Philippians 3 in verse 11? Coming out of verse 10, he says, In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What is Paul talking about there? It's this, knowing Christ is sharing in his glory. Knowing Christ is sharing in his glory. You see, Paul was not satisfied with just knowing Christ and fellowshipping with him in this present life. As wonderful that is for him and for us as believers today. No, he actually looked forward to his own death. Because being in Christ who rose from the dead, he would also arise and be with him completely changed into his image, sharing in his glory. It's what we call glorification, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He looked forward to that. And so it's no wonder that Paul said what he did in the early part of this epistle. Remember Philippians 1, verse 21, for to me to live 
is Christ, and to die is gain. By the way, when I was in high school, just after I was saved, I put that verse on my gym bag. <laughs> and when I would get with Christians, they would go, what's that verse? And so I would tell them, I'd go, oh, wow, that's neat. But then I would also have unbelievers ask me, what's that on your gym bag? I said, it's Philippians 1.21, and I would quote it to them. And I said, death is gain, because I get to be with Christ my Lord and Savior. And you can too. And so it opened a door to share the gospel with them. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians 15, that great resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. There's no chapter in the Bible that speaks to the depth of the resurrection as this chapter does. 1 Corinthians 15. And I just love these verses near the end of the chapter. Verses 54 to 57. We were singing them today. Hopefully you picked up on that. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. In light of the resurrection, this is what Paul writes to the church there at Corinth. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this wonderful, beloved? Yeah! It's the glorious eternal hope which all Christians possess and share. And the gaze of the apostles' eyes were always fixed upon it. And so should yours and mine. 400 years before the birth of Christ, Socrates, the renowned Greek philosopher, drank the poison hemlock and lay down to die. Shall we live again, his friends asked. The dying philosopher could only reply, I hope so, but no man can know. Really? He's a philosopher and he's saying that? Socrates was wrong because God's word is clear that you can know. (laughs) And it is true. And so may you look forward to sharing in Christ's glory and prepare for it, even now. Beloved, it is a joy and rich blessing to know Jesus Christ because it's having His righteousness. It's experiencing His power. It's fellowshipping in His sufferings. And one day, it's sharing in His glory. This is something to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? Amen? Yeah, you bet it is. Because it's only because of the resurrection that any of these things are possible. We have glorious hope. And so we should be shouting, Hallelujah! Now and as we walk out those doors, Christ is risen. He is risen Indeed. So I trust these truths are what you value, what means the most to you. 
especially in the days in which we live because we can get so distracted. But when we sit in a service like this and hear these rich blessings that we have in Christ, oh, everything else just goes away. It doesn't matter anymore. So as you leave here today, meditate upon them and be motivated to follow Paul's instruction, what he said at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. I left that verse out because it says there this. In light of the resurrection, Paul exhorts the believers, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord because of the resurrection. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And what a joy it is just to meditate upon these truths that we did this morning. In light of the resurrection, oh God, we have your righteousness. We experience your power. We fellowship in your sufferings, and one day we will share in your glory. May our hearts just be stirred within us by these wonderful blessings. May this be what we value more than anything else in this life. And so, Lord, encourage us today as you have encouraged us time and time again. Thank you, O Lord arising from the dead so that we might have life in your precious name. Amen.